right. So this morning, before we have our Christian greeting, we have the opportunity to welcome Bruce Freeman into membership here at the church. So come on up. So and there you go. And uh, John, you can come forward, and Ron Bachman as well. So, um, Bruce, you are cousins, right? Cousins yes. with Mr. David Ewert, I believe. Right. And that's sort of how you came to um, start attending here. And how long have you been attending here now? About two. About two, yeah. And I love how you've um, uh, just present with us, but then also serving in a variety of different capacities, both inside the walls and outside the walls of the church. And it's been a gift to get to know uh, Ruth. If you don't know Ruth yet, here she is. This is Ruth. <laughs> All right. And uh, yeah, so it's good to have you with us in our midst. Uh, she participated in the new us. Uh, we did a, a class back in September for four weeks, the new us. Uh, it's a membership kind of, kind of thing. And uh, I got to know more of her story through that experience as well. So uh, Ruth is here with us to um, become a member of the of the church, and uh, she has a few words uh, regarding that desire. After being um, raised Mennonite and then going to a Methodist church for 40 years, it's kind of like coming home, and it's good to be home. Thank you for your for your welcome on this. I'll be reading, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll be reading from Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also, his mem also members of his household, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, with J Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. On behalf of the sisters and brothers here, the body of Christ, Metamore Mennonite Church. As sisters and brothers here at Metamore, members of this congregation, we welcome you, Ruth, as a sister into Christ's church. We witness to the work of the Holy Spirit who has led you to Jesus as Savior and to God as the source of your life. We promise to encourage you in faith, to rejoice with you in joy, to support you in suffering, to help guide you in seasons of need, to listen to the word God speaks in you, and to call out the gifts The Holy Spirit has and is creating in you. We thank God for your presence in the body of Christ here at Metamora Mennonite, and we ask God's blessings on you all the days of your life. Uh, joining us for a prayer of blessing. So, Ruth, you have been uh, told what is good, what God requires of you to do justice to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We as a church ask that God will continue to provide you the grace to carry out these desires. May God bless you as you serve both inside the walls and outside uh, as your service to the world as well. May God grant you the grace of his presence, his love, and his mercy as we walk by faith and follow this Je Jesus the Christ together. 
May God grant you the grace of his um, presence, uh, which I just said. We invite the, we invite the congregation to stand uh, uh, as we uh, do the covenant together. It'll be on the screens here. We can kind of step forward here. So, um, all right. So, yeah, we commit ourselves by the power, the power of the, the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit to follow Jesus Christ, whom God, God, our Creator, And uh, now we will stand and greet one another. Great morning to you.
check, 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 check. All right. Check, check, check. <clears throat> All right, good morning. Yeah, good. <laughs> so, yeah, all right. Good morning, everyone. I have a new shirt on. It's my first time. I must have had a birthday or something. Maybe yesterday. I don't know. 43 for the first time. Yep. So there you go. All right. It's okay. Uh, uh, still registered at Target if you want to pick something up. Uh, just kidding. Uh, so grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is indeed present among us here in this place on this third uh, Sunday of Advent, um, we are in the midst of this Advent season, a season of longing, a, se- a season of desire, a season of preparation, and a season of waiting. And so we have our series title, What Are You Waiting For? What Are You Waiting For? Two weeks ago, we were all invited uh, in the season of waiting to work for peace. And also, not just to work for peace, but also then invite others into that same work of peace. Last Sunday, we reflected on the invitation to turn from indifference, to turn away from indifference, as John the Baptist calls, uh, called us to repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. We respond to the reality of the kingdom that has indeed come near, and, and we ask the Spirit to help us show up to the kingdom in its and its variety of forms and ways. Today, I want to start with expectation. All right? Expectation. So, I was just fun to Google expectation, and here's some things I found. Expectation is the root of all heartache. Amen? Anyone? All right? Next, next one. Expectations. Okay, if you do not expect the unexpected, you will not recognize it when it arrives. I like this. This is good. Okay. Uh, next one. Uh, there are two ways to be happy, improve your reality, or lower your expectations. Any, can I get an amen? Anyone? <laughs> All right. <laughs> your expectations of the sermon is low. Okay? All right. So uh, Bruce Lee said this. If <laughs> I'm not in the world to live up to your expectations, then you are not in the world to live up to mine. Okay? I like it. I like it. Blessed is he who accepts, uh, expects nothing, for uh, he <laughs> shall never be disappointed. I like that. A wonderful gift may not be wrapped as you expect. Good. My favorite, men marry women with the hope that they will never change. Women marry men with the hope that they will change. Invariably, they will both be disappointed. Any, can I get an amen, anyone? Amen. <laughs> this, I think these are indeed true. So more on expectations a bit later. So last week, we did hear from John the Baptist, John the Baptist in chapter 3, while he was in the desert, he was in the wilderness, wide open spaces, dressed in camel's hair, surviving on locusts and honey. 
today we have another visit from John the Baptist. It's a bit later in the narrative, and this time we find him in a prison cell, in a prison cell, not such a wide-open space. We will find that in the wilderness, John has this confidence that he is speaking for God, calling for repentance, baptizing with conviction, right? Calling out uh, those who think that they're part of the kingdom simply because they're in the right family, you brood of vipers. We see both a uh, a confidence and a strong conviction from John in the wilderness. And today, in a prison cell, maybe not so much. So before we get to our reading, uh, we discover back in chapter 4 that John the Baptist had been arrested. And in chapter 14, we discover the reason why he was arrested. Uh, In chapter 14, now Herod had John uh, arrested John and bound him and put him in a prison because Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, Uh, For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. It is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John. This Herod, this Herod would have been Herod Antipas, acting and holding the title of king of the Jews, a puppet king for the Romans. He would have been the grandson to the Herod, Herod not so great. Herod, not so great, is the, is the one who sought to kill all of the babies at the time of Jesus' birth. So we have John the Baptist, the truth teller, once again in Enneagram 8 for sure. Uh, you can't have her as your wife. Dude, she's your brother, she's your, she's your uh, sister-in-law. You can't, you can't, no, no. So John finds himself in a prison as a result of speaking truth power. So John finds himself again in prison. Uh, John the Baptist, who, well, who's he? Well, John the Baptist is the one to prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus is going to come and bring the reign of God, and everything is going to be okay. John now finds himself in a prison cell as he sits waiting, longing, anticipating for this revolution to begin. John is most likely waiting for Jesus to come and to physically liberate him. After all, he is family. And it simply ain't happening, friends. Some biblical scholars believe that it's anywhere from six months to maybe even a full year that John is in this prison cell. Remember last week in our reading uh, that John the Baptist in the wilderness, there was a presence of divine wrath, axes, and unquenchable fire. And this all equates to the good news. This is what the kingdom of heaven will be like. The kingdom will be like that of David's reign. And how did David's reign come coming by force? Won't it? Judas Maccabees in 160 B.C., 160 years before Christ, um, led a revolt of the Jewish people against Rome. Some called Maccabees the Messiah. Because this is how the kingdom is to be ushered in. Um, Isn't this the way the kingdom is to come? Divine wrath, axes, unquenchable fire? 
It is by force that Roman that Rome has established its reign and its kingdom. So we discovered in our reading today that John is physically in a jail cell. But he's also imprisoned by his own expectations of who the Messiah is and how the Messiah should act. I wonder how our own expectations can often blind us to the one who is coming, the one who is more powerful than I. So John the Baptist, in today's text, in Matthew 11, it says, When John was in prison, he heard about the deeds of the Messiah. He sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? I first want to call to attention that he what? He heard. He had already heard. He heard about the deeds. Right? If he has heard about the deeds already, perhaps this is what is contributing, perhaps, to his confusion about Jesus. And he needs a little clarification, so he's going to send his disciples. He sends his disciples. So I want to pause and just um, let us consider for a moment and just notice something. In the wilderness, wide open spaces, he is confident and John acts with conviction. Well, in prison, turns to questioning and doubt and uncertainty. John seems to be on a journey of sorts, from confidence to questioning, from conviction to uncertainty about the person of Jesus. John perhaps held this assumption of what it would look like. John thought he knew how God was going to intervene on behalf of the Jews, and how Jesus was going to intervene on his own behalf to get him out of jail. How God was going to intervene in this point of human history, at this point of human history. Maybe even saying, Jesus will get me out of here. And some of the commentary that I was looking at, so John seems uncertain, not because of his own plight, but because of what Jesus is reputed to be doing. He's not tr- turning out to be the kind of Messiah, John, expected. Expected. Said another way, Jesus isn't axing enough trees. He isn't exercising divine wrath. The thing about expectations is that expectations can and often pull us out of the present moment. Expectations can pull us out of the present moment into a future we do not yet have. Expectations, if we're not careful, can begin to shape us, can begin to shape our attitudes and our beliefs. Expectations, if we are not careful, can shape our image of who God is, how God moves in the world, and how God will or will not show up. We can, fall, we can all fall, I know I'm guilty of this myself, we can fall into trusting our expectations of what God is doing more than we trust what God is actually doing. 
So I want to pause here and just slow down for a moment um, as we allow for some time and space to breathe, time and space for some quiet reflection. Um, you know, the season can t- potentially be very busy, right? Advent season, Christmas concerts, and everything that's going on in the world, shopping, all that stuff. So I just want to maybe just receive this as a gift, um, and maybe it's uncomfortable. Too bad. Uh, we're going to pause, and we're going to, uh, there's a piece of paper, uh, insert in your bulletin. There's a half sheet. There's a top half and a bottom half. So I invite you to grab that top sheet, and um, we're going to take a look at some things. So in this Advent season, we're going to pause, and we're just going to examine, do an examine of what's been and maybe what is. And the first question is, you know, regarding the person of Jesus, now, in the past, um, have you experienced the journey of John? And that journey going from confidence to questioning to, and from certainty to doubt. So what we're going to do, we're just going to allow some space here. Let us spend some time to name that season. What year or what years was it? Um, what were the circumstances? Were people involved? Maybe it was all of a sudden. Maybe it was a diagnosis. Maybe it was what season? Conviction to doubt. Certainty to questioning. So we're just going to pause here. And so maybe it's something from the past. But maybe, I just, the next question here, we're going to see the next question. Um, do you find yourself in this Advent season holding the question, are you the one, or should I expect someone else to deliver me? So we're just going to allow probably three to, three to four minutes here. Um, grab your pen, anything comes to mind, jot that down. We're, we're just, don't do the bottom half yet. Don't do the bottom half. Stay in the top half of the thing. And grab a pen, and we're just, here's a gift to, to pause and to reflect.
so as we continue in the story, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Divine wrath, axes, axes and unquenchable fire. Do we see these in Jesus' actions? Is it a violent revolution, one that takes life? No, in fact, I think the exact opposite is true. We see a love revolution. We see a life-giving revolution. Receiving, sight, walking, cleansed, hearing, raised from the dead, proclaiming the good news. All life-giving, amen? Not life-taking realities. So go back and report to John what you hear and see. So this morning we pause again. If you had a situation from the past that came to mind, an invitation to look at that question on the bottom, what did you hear and see? As you examine those places, truthfully, did we hold expectations on how God ought to act or intervene? How did God act? What did you hear and see? Was it indeed different than what you had expected? And if you had something from the present, an invitation in this crazy, busy season to pause, slow down enough, and to perhaps open ourselves up to the ways that God may be at work here and now. So we'll pause here for a bit as well.
brothers and sisters here at Minimal in the Night. Just maybe, even as this small, short exercise, maybe you just needed to be reminded that God has come in the past. And be assured that God will come afresh. Now how, where, and when Jesus comes into your life here in 2019 is really the focus of Advent. May we learn to wait, to be quiet long enough, to hold some contemplative space, to hear and to see what God is doing. To name it, because God's work, we can even celebrate it. So the story continues as we conclude this morning. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are are, um, in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. More than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you and and who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I want to bring focus to blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus says this and then goes on to, to, to honor and to speak well of John the Baptist. John has been faithful in his calling. John has, has, um, has um, yeah, so John has not been falling away in his questioning and his doubt, but is actually still seeking to know and to follow this person of Jesus. If it were, he wouldn't have sent his disciples. He's still eager to know. He still wants to follow. Isn't, uh, Jesus is not disappointed in John. Jesus is not disappointed in John for the question that he received. Not disappointed in John that he finds himself in a state of doubting. He's not disappointed but rather honors the questioning by demonstrating that the kingdom has indeed come near, the kingdom of love, humility, grace, healing, and proclamation of a new way of being in the world. Blessed are you, John the Baptist, in your questioning and in your doubt. Blessed are you, John. Blessed are you, Mark. Blessed are you, Scott. Blessed are you, Nicole. And blessed are you, Terry. Blessed are you, Barb. Blessed are you, Matt. Blessed are you, Jill. Blessed are you, Shirley. Blessed are you, Ruth. As we all join together as members of one body, 
as we follow the one who has come and will continue to come. Not necessarily in the form or the shape or the timing that's expected, but maybe as unexpected as a little child.